Well, good morning, church. No, I'm not preaching today. Today is a special day. I'm really excited for today. I'm excited that we get to be here together um, as a family doing life together. Um, but I'm really excited because after uh, 10 months of not having a you know, permanent full-time lead pastor, um, I get a chance to introduce to you um, our new lead here at Fort Christian Church. Today is his first official Sunday. It'll be his first official sermon preaching here. Uh, they've been in town for the past couple of weeks trying to get settled to the area. Uh, our new lead has been in the office this week, uh, just getting used to life here on this campus, spending some time with each of the staff members. And I'll tell you what, every single person on staff is excited to be working alongside of our new lead. And we are so looking forward to and excited about what God is doing next uh, in this place, in this community, through the leadership of our new lead pastor. Uh, most of you have probably seen a picture of him someplace floating around. Perhaps you've had a chance to meet him in person and talk with him. But this morning, it's my privilege to introduce to you from this very stage, Brian and Stephanie Hay and their kids, Isaac and Isabella. Awesome, awesome. Well, if you guys would, join me in prayer, and uh, let's start this thing out right. God, I want to thank you, Lord, that you have brought these families together, God, my family, and God, your family, all together to serve you, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would um, take, this, take this time to be honored, that God, everything that we do as a family, as a church family, as a, as a place that you call the bride, that Lord, that we would honor you and serve you in all that we do. Lord, I thank you for my own family here with Stephanie, Isabel, and Isaac. And God, we thank you for this new family that we get to be a part of. So Lord, it's in all of this that we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Before I let everybody completely go, if you are thankful for Virgil and the way that he has served and honored this church and loved you and cared for you in this transition season, would you give it up for Virgil and Barb? You're thankful for the staff that have been carrying the load from COVID through leadership transition, including Ben and Stephanie, including not only Virgil, but Nick and Harold and April. If you're thankful for the staff that have carried this load, would you give it up for them as well? To the elders, to the lead search team, to all the volunteers, and to you, I thank you. I thank you for the way that you have loved and served this church, this community, these people, the way that you have journeyed with one another through difficult seasons and times where you're asking questions of what are we doing here and what's next that you were faithful to Jesus and figuring it out. And maybe you're new here and you're just figuring things out and you're like, do they always applaud like in the beginning of service? And it's cool, welcome, we're glad that you're here. Uh, but, but I am humbled and honored and thankful to begin this journey with each and every one of you. And what a Sunday to start. In the midst of a world, if you've accidentally turned on the news recently, 
You have seen that, that we are living in a day and time that will be remembered for years to come. A day and time in which people, in fact, on Twitter, not that that's a measurement you should ever use, but on Twitter, trending, number 13, the last couple of days, was the Bible. But in a negative way. Uh, there was protest going on that was talking about the church. And not in a good way. So maybe you're here and you're thinking, what is, maybe we start with this question, what is the point? So maybe you're thinking initially like, all right, so of all of the millions of people that speak English and of the thousands of people who have the ability to preach and of all the different resumes we had, really this guy? Like, maybe that was the, like, what's the, like, this is the best, maybe that was the question you start out with. Maybe, maybe the question, though, is a little bit more personal. Maybe the question is, what is my point? What is your point for being here? Why does God have you here? What on earth are you here for? Anyways, maybe it's a little bigger and you're wondering, what is the point of this church? I mean, let's be honest. It's kind of a weird name for an outsider, right? Like, like to me, I've never wanted to make sure I enunciated so well in my life than terms like fork in four. Like, I really want to say that while I rehearsed it and practiced. I was staying up late at night sweating. Like, I want to make sure I got this right. But what, what are we here for? Like, why do we exist? What is God up to? Why are we here? I hope today we can talk a little bit about, I have so much to say in so little time, but I'm so thankful that God has given me some time to be with you, to, to, to get to know you, to be part of this family. And we hope you feel as at home as we do. So the, the big idea and this kind of what I want to start out with is this, this challenge to us in how we are going to view the challenges of today, the challenges of your life, the way you look at your own personal existence and why you're here. And it is this, choose purpose, not pointless. Choose purpose, not pointless. See, we were in this series the series called Choose This, Not That, that Virgil and his lovely wife Barb had been praying and thinking through, and, and I give her the credit, but yeah, they, they came up with this idea of a series, and this team got together. It was like, man, we want to make the right choice. In order to have our best life, we want to choose right. And so he had been journeying us through choosing encouragement instead of gossip. And this past week, choosing grace, not judgment. And today we're looking at choosing purpose, not pointless. To do that well, what I want to do is I wanted us to take us to a moment and to consider times in our life in which we thought, what good is this? What is the point? Maybe when things hadn't turned out in your life that was not quite right, not quite the way that you had hoped, when things hadn't gone quite the way you had expected, when the diagnosis wasn't a good one, when the relationship didn't turn out as you had once hoped. Maybe the church let you down. Maybe it was leaders. Maybe it was people. Whatever it was. The times in their life and where you went, man, what is the point? 
I want to take you on a journey of when some people encountered a similar situation. In fact, it was people who were trying to follow Jesus. It was, it was these people that were considered the closest friends and followers of Jesus. We call them disciples. And it was these guys that had journeyed and traveled when Jesus was here 2,000 years ago, that Jesus had journeyed with these 12 disciples, and they went, did everything together. They ate together. They joked together. They walked through streets together. They slept in the same places where they just crashed in people's homes. They, they saw and worked together through it all. They got to witness the teachings of Jesus, the miracles of Jesus. They saw it face to face. They knew him to be the Messiah, the one who had come, the one had been prophesied about, that this, this king of king and lord of lords was going to come and make everything new. They were so excited to follow Jesus. And then Jesus had this strange dinner with them where he kind of made this personal prayer with them and, and he he did this thing that he kind of established this thing called communion, and then he went to this garden of Gethsemane where he just prayed and poured out to God because the time was near. And then all of a sudden, we pick up in Mark. Mark 14, 30, uh, 43 is where we're going to begin. And, and in Mark, this is from, written from John Mark, and if you're new to the Bible, this was a guy who was working with eyewitness accounts. Lots of people say that he was following closely with Peter and writing down the teachings of Peter, but this is from eyewitness accounts accounting back to this specific moment. It is a powerful moment where there was a question being asked, what's the point? Let's do this together. Verse 43, it says this, just as he was speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, appeared with him, was a crowd armed with swords and clubs, sent from the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders. So here was this, the group, these, these buddies, Jesus and his buddies, the disciples were all together. All his followers were right there among them. And then all of a sudden, he sees one of the, the guys that were part of the 12, one of them who had left just, the, just before at this dinner, was now coming back with these soldiers. Verse 44, now the betrayer, Judas, had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him and lead him away under guard. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Rabbi, which means teacher, and kissed him. The men seized Jesus and arrested him. Jesus responded, he said, am I leading a rebellion? Said Jesus, that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I was with you teaching in the temple courts. You didn't arrest me. But the scriptures must be fulfilled. That this whole journey of why Jesus came, had to be fulfilled. So this Messiah, the King of Kings, the, the one in which Jesus' followers, these disciples had all walked along with him and journeyed with him so that the fact that here he was with all of his buddies, and he's, you gotta be thinking in this moment, these guys are like, I've, I've seen you do everything, Jesus. I've seen you calm the storms. I've seen you raise Lazarus from the dead. I have seen you do amazing things. So Jesus, this, this can't be too much for you. Right? I mean, you, you just do one of your like, cool things and then we just walk on through the crowd. Like, can't you just get through this? Wouldn't these guys have hope that despite the fact that they've seen Jesus move in their life, yet there was a moment that made them question everything? 
a moment in life in which despite the fact that they've seen God move, suddenly they reached a point where it changed everything. And how did these followers of Jesus respond? So then, everyone, everyone deserted Jesus and fled. And in a, in a moment when things didn't look good, in a moment when things were like, this could go badly for us, in a moment where things became fearful, in a moment where they're asking, what is the point? In this moment, they're going, what is the point of this? What is the point of following Jesus? What, Jesus, what is the point of this? You had been leading us all the way through this moment. You were supposed to be the king of kings. You're supposed to reign and rule. And suddenly now you're letting these people with clubs and swords arrest you? What, what does this mean for us, Jesus? What's the point? So many times in life, I think we, maybe if you've been following Jesus for a little bit, you've, you've seen God move in your life. Maybe you remember the good days, right? You, you remember the days in which the, the crowds in churches were huge. Maybe you remember the days in which the people weren't cursing at the church or at the Bible. Maybe you remember the days in which people viewed God differently here in the U.S. Maybe you remember those days. And then all of a sudden, something happens. A bad moment in your personal life. A, a moment that looks like, you know, maybe following Jesus isn't going to be so easy after all. Maybe, maybe this could go bad for me. And then you abandon Jesus. And run from him just like his closest buddies did. See, I, this isn't just a um, scenario that happens. This is real life for me. This is, this is personal for me. See, I want you to know who I am from the beginning. One of the values that I want us to have as a people is authenticity. See, I want you to know that you are loved. But what we see is that to be loved is to be known. That way you're not always thinking that people are only loving a version of you, but they know the true you, the whole you. That's why we push groups so I push small groups and to get in these close connecting groups and relationships so that way we can know one another. So that way when I say, despite those things, despite your failures, your struggles, I love you. And I know that you love me. And today I want you to know me. I want you to know my family. I want you to know my journey. I want you to know what I call my testimony. So let me explain this journey of why I think I understand this moment of wondering what is the point and wanting to abandon Jesus. So this is how it began for me. I grew up in a household with two amazing parents. I was very and am very fortunate. In fact, they're watching online right now. And I was so thankful to have two amazing parents who, like, look, I was born and I was, like, thrown on the church altar. I was in church three times a week. I was a Sunday morning, Sunday nights. I was a Wednesday nights. I was in Awanas. And if that wasn't enough, they're like, you going to Christian school. So I was in Christian school Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Like, I was in it, around it. I mean, it was surrounding me in every way. I mean, we, we had it at home. It was always around. And so I was in church. 
was brought up with it, knew it. Now I knew the stories. I, I knew about Jesus, but I knew fully. I mean, I could quote passages from an early age. And yet there was a difference between knowledge and choice. So when it came down to me being about 13 years old, I was in a conversation with the pastor at the time, and we were talking about what it meant to have Jesus as my Lord and not just Savior, and that you don't have one without the other, that he is your Lord, your King, your boss of bosses, and your Savior. And I was only wanting him as my Savior. I didn't want to go to hell, so I wanted that, but I wanted to be my own King, my own boss, and so... I white-knuckled it one day when I knew God was calling me to more, when I knew God was calling me to surrender my life and follow him to whatever he calls me to. And I white-knuckled that pew, and I was like, I'm not going. I'm not doing it, God. I choose no. And see, it was in that moment that it felt like for the first time as those disciples saw Jesus, and they saw Jesus go from being arrested to being wrongfully accused, and being murdered on a cross. It made me feel like when I heard those stories about Jesus being nailed to the cross, it made me think in that moment, me turning and looking at Jesus and going, when I tell him no, it was as if it was me. It was as as if it was me nailing in. And so with shame and stubbornness, I walked away and I went, no, I'm not going to follow God. I wanted a Savior, but I didn't want a Lord. And so sure enough, two years later, I'm 15 years old. And, and I'm 15 years old and I'm, I have my, my first girlfriend I was a late bloomer for a lot of you will say he never really bloomed. <clears throat> and, and so there I am, I, I'm a first girlfriend. In, in three months, in, in three months of meeting this girl, she was a troubled young lady and I was a scared and confused young man. And we sinned. I find out she's pregnant. And so there I am, 15 years old. I find this out. I just turned 16 when, when I, I went over and, and found out from her that that's all she really wanted from me and that she didn't actually want me at all. Immediately, I, I lost my school. I changed schools, lost all my friends. I, Ended up leaving the church. I remember driving home that day, finding out that she didn't want me apart or anything to do with it. I remember the feeling of going, What is the point? What if I just turn my vehicle just a little to the left into the oncoming lights and never have to feel this pain anymore? And what's the point of my life? See, through this sin, what it felt like to me is I was going. I nailed Jesus. 
I nailed him to the cross. It was me that nailed him. See, I, 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 Brandon was born, and for those of you that are wondering what's my perspective on what's going on within the scenario, see, this is real to me. I remember what it felt like to wonder what it would be like to maybe end this birth, to not have this baby. I remember what it felt like to go, would it be better if this child would not make it to birth? I remember personally what it felt like to be scared out of my mind, wondering, what am I going to do? This is going to change everything in life. What is the point of my life anymore? And I thank God that we chose to have him. And then I ended up putting him up for adoption, having him be adopted. And then I ran, abandoning Jesus and everything that had anything to do with him or people I knew. I ran from God. I graduated high school at a public school nearby, and I took off, and I went to college, and I got a business degree, and I was like, this is it. Well, I'm not choosing God anymore. I messed up too much. There's no more hope for me, so what I'm going to do is just follow my own desires from this point forward, and I'm just going to get a lot of money, and I'm going to distract myself with lots of good stuff, and so I got in with a Fortune 500 company, and I became a successful sales rep, and I traveled the country moving from Kansas to Kentucky, and I was on my way up the corporate ladder, and then the downturn in the economy hit in 2007, 2008. And it got me stuck in Kentucky, and I was on my way to Chicago. And I'm like, what am I doing here in Kentucky? I don't even want to be here. And so I found myself there, and, and as we're there, my God is doing a work in my wife. And 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 I didn't ever expect that, but he was doing a work in her life, and she kept on coming to me saying, I think we ought to go to church. I think we ought to go to church. And I'm going, I know what's there. Been there. I drove the nails in his hands. There's no place for me there. Too far gone, too messed up. It's over for me. And she kept on. And so finally I went, okay, we'll go to this church up the street, sit in the back. It's a bigger church. No one will notice. We'll just go in there, go in there, you do your thing, and then I'll leave. We'll go. So we go, we show up, we're sitting over in kind of that area, kind of incognito behind some stuff. And then we're sitting behind these, this, this guy that was in front of me, and he was a, a younger guy, similar to our age. We were in our uh, mid-20s at the time. And, and uh, you, you ever been behind somebody and you just know, oh, they're going to talk to me. <laughs> you just have that? Like, you just know by their, like, just, you just tell by the way they're sitting. You're like, gosh, they're going to talk. So sure enough, service is over, and I'm like grabbing stuff. I'm like, let's go. And then so he turns around. He's like, hey, I'm Mark. Nice to meet you. And, like he, and so we talk to him. And, of course, my wife is like, oh, hi, friends. This sounds awesome. And so he's like, let me go introduce you to some people more around your age. And so he drags me over, and we meet some young people. And we're all over there in a circle, and they're, they're all talking about how they're in this thing called a small group. Never heard of that before, but I was, I was over there with them. They're like, hey, how we do this small group thing? We meet together every week, and we do a little Bible study. We eat, play some games. It's fun. Um, yeah. And I was like, that's good for you. That's awesome. And then they were like, the only problem is that we're all like poor and stuff, and we don't have a good-sized house to be able to fit everybody. And I was like, well, that's just too bad. <laughs> Sounds like that's a problem. You should work on that. That's what I said. What my wife said was, oh, you should come to our house this Friday. So not only did I end up going to this church, I had all these strangers showing up in my house that we just bought that Friday. 
And they didn't leave for 10 years. We had different groups come in and out. But in that first group, for the first time in my life, I was able to sit in a circle of people. And one of those guys specifically, I shared my story with. I shared it with them and I, and I told them, man, this is the mistakes I've made. This is the failures in which I have done in life. This is what I've done. And his response to me was not, oh, how dare you? His response was, brother, I love you more because you're honest with me. And we did a study called Crazy Love by Francis Chan, and I encountered a love of Jesus that could forgive even me. It blew my mind that maybe, maybe, maybe God wasn't finished yet. Could it be that the nail that I thought driven into the hands of Jesus could be used something more that maybe it wasn't finished yet maybe there was a point after all could it be that God still had a purpose for me you see after Jesus had died on that cross three days later he rose again defeating death and showing once and for all that no matter what mess has been made the consequences of our sin had been paid in full on that cross and him defeating death and raising again showed us all once and for all that there is nothing that can stop our God. And so that's why it's so beautiful to think that the, the nails that I thought was meant for consequence became the very scars that became the evidence. Do you remember Thomas? John 20, 27 then Jesus said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and belief. And his response was, my Lord, my God. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to choose purpose, not pointless. Let me explain why. See, yes, it is true that that whole journey and, and I arrived at that small group and they, they, they helped me see that Jesus wasn't finished with me yet. In fact, it inspired me that maybe there was a chance for me to actually go and be obedient to what God had always called me to do and surrender my life into full time ministry for him. And so I ended up going back to school and started working on getting a master's in Bible and theology and went on a missions trip and I came back from the missions trips and Due to some legal paperwork and some changes, we got the latest contact info for my boy, Brendan. He was, at the time, about 13 years old. And so I reached out to the adopted dad and I said, I don't want to cause any issues whatsoever. But if you're willing, I would love to meet him. And he said, you're not going to believe this. One month ago was the first time I told him about you. And he desperately wants to meet you. So we drove seven and a half hours, eight hours to, to Virginia. And we went and had dinner and began a relationship. It was amazing. I'll have to tell you more later. It was an amazing meeting. And God really started to show me 
that maybe redemption is possible. Fast forward a little bit, 2015, I quit my corporate career and I had an opportunity to become a pastor at that home church and where I met those small group people. In 2018, though, another moment hit me. My mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. I'm thinking, man, Jesus, I'm following you. Why would you do this? And when we found out that she was diagnosed and she was going to have her mastectomy surgery, we found out that her mom died, my grandmother. And three weeks later, her dad died. And so within a one-month stretch, my mom is going through cancer treatment and mastectomy. Her mom died, her dad died. And I'm going, God, what is the point? What's the point of this? And so uh, because I'm a pastor now, uh, they came to me and my brother, who's also a pastor, and they said, hey, man, um, would you guys be willing to do the funeral services? And I was like, goodness, this is going to be so hard, but yes. And me and my brother got together. We said, listen, we know there's people in our family that they don't know Jesus, and so let's present the gospel at the end of each of the funeral. Well, first it was my grandmother. We didn't know my grandfather at first, but let's present the, the gospel at the end of it. And we're like, we'll do it in this way. We're like, hey, listen, if you're interested in and choosing Jesus, and you, you've heard the good news, and you're ready to have a conversation about what it means to follow him, and what it means to be baptized in his name, would you raise your hand? The eyes closed, would you raise your hand? And grandmother's funeral service, no one raised their hand. Three weeks later, we were at my grandfather's funeral, we did the same thing, we honored him, and then at the end, we went, what he would want you to know, what we want you to know is the good news of Jesus, and we present the gospel to the same family again. So close your eyes, anybody in the room, anybody willing to take a step in knowing Jesus, choosing Jesus, following him. And one hand went up. Brendan. Years of the journey. To the cancer of my mom, the death of her parents, Brendan came to the funeral services. He heard the good news of Jesus. I journeyed with him, and then in 2019, it's me and Brendan, me rocking my bald cut look. I got a chance to baptize Brendan. At one time, I questioned whether or not to even have him. At one time, I thought that his birth was the end of me. At one time, I asked the question, what's the point? And then I've seen what our Savior can do. How he can take the broken mess, the most helpless and hurtful. Whatever you've done and you've walked in today, 
I don't know what nails you felt like you've driven in the hands of Jesus. If you feel helpless and hopeless, if you feel that maybe there is no point in you anymore, maybe you feel like you're too far gone or that maybe Jesus is done with you. I vowed that day in baptizing that boy that I would make it my mission to go and tell as many people as possible that our God saves. And that the, the nails of the sin that you've done that caused the consequence of the death of our Savior can be the evidence of our risen King. And that God can redeem your story and give you purpose that where you live and who you're near and the church you serve can be the place in which you can flourish to make Jesus famous, no matter the circumstances, no matter your failures, or no matter what the culture says, that our God reigns. See in Colossians, it says, you and I were dead because of your sins. And because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away, then God, then God made you alive with Christ. For he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record. He canceled it. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to a cross. Consider this. Could it be that a nail that was meant to hold Jesus was meant to hold something much more that is broken as messed up as we all are? He wanted you to know that today and forevermore, that me and you can be forgiven. That God's not finished with you yet. That God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And he wants to use you in this community. He wants to use your story to help change lives. And church, Jesus isn't finished with Fork yet. And if you'll let me, I'd love to journey with you as we make him famous in this community and beyond. Would you pray with me? Jesus, as I stand here, nailing into the cross and remembering the pain that you must have felt the hurt and the shame I have overwhelms me. But at the same time, God, I see and know that you are good and that your purposes remain. God, in this room, there's someone here feeling like their life is pointless and that they don't have any purpose. God, would you help them see that you're not finished writing their story yet? And that God, you have sent a church 
of people to walk with one another, to love you, to love one another, and to make your name known. So Jesus, would you help us help people, all people, find and follow you and show them that your purpose remains. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.